This is the Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the auction community studios for the next two hours. If you need a break, if you want some sports, you've come to the right place. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Distracted right out of the gate because looks like they're giving us an update on that San Francisco Green Bay game where like Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing and nobody else. And maybe a kicker. Uh, we'll get to that. We're actually going to start today's show a little NBA. And we're just going to get this out of the way at the very beginning. It's a topic we have had to discuss in the past. I did not think we would be discussing this this week of all weeks. But... It's uh, a fairly prominent national source talking about the Phoenix Suns, so I'm just going to at least put it out there. The uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, Ryan Rosillo on it. Um, I don't think Ryan Rosillo is a guy that makes stuff up. I've talked to him before. I, I'll, you know what? I'll just play the clip for you, and then we'll go from there. I don't see anyone in the West. I don't. I don't think one contender is like we got to make a move. I think everybody's going to be pretty careful. Phoenix okay. is maybe a little. There's a little desperation. Well, desperation to add to to it, but they got to worry about the Booker thing because the the worst kept secret in the league is Booker already wants out of there. And if it's another bad season, I actually think that could get ugly. All right. Well, at the beginning of that, since it's it's sort of an odd cut, they were uh, they were just talking about teams that are, um, you know, how they're going to contend in the Western Conference. That's why Simmons starts off talking about not specifically Booker and then Rosillo takes it to the Booker thing. And, Bear, I want to get your reaction to hearing that, too. It, to me, he says it, Rosillo says it in such a way where it's like this just accepted thing. Devin Booker wants out of Arizona. Oh, yeah, everybody around the NBA knows about that. And, I, I mean, I can tell you from being in this business, and, and Bear, you can back me up on this, I'm sure, when you are around uh, a team a lot, and, and in doing so, you are around a lot of reporters from other teams and national reporters, and you're around players and coaches. You do just hear stuff that within that little circle, you know, even if it spans the country, it's it's not that many people. It is kind of accepted. I mean, I know covering the Coyotes closely for all those years, like you just hear stuff that everybody kind of within the league knows is true, but it's not really something reportable. So I don't think Ryan Rosillo is just making this up. But I think he's wrong. <laughs> like I, I have never heard that. Never. All the speculation over all the years. Okay, well now Carl Anthony Towns is here. Oh now, you know now D'Angelo Russell is here. That must mean Devin Booker wants out. It's only a matter of time before Devin Booker wants out. There have been times over the last four years where it has made sense for Devin Booker to want out. I've still never ever actually heard that he has said he has wanted out. And now the Suns are getting good. I think. Just to start, I think there's this trend that national basketball reporters, writers, people who talk about basketball, there's this trend they follow because it was true. The Suns, if they have a good player, that good player is going to want out of Phoenix eventually. It happened with Goran Dragic. It happened with Isaiah Thomas. It happened. Well, I don't know if Isaiah Thomas actually wanted to leave, but they traded him away. But he he left. And then the one they chose that to to keep, Eric Bledsoe eventually didn't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Um so I think it's there's that thing where like oh they just oh Phoenix sucks. Why would he want to be there? Yeah. They're not any good. And like what you were saying, I completely agree. Why why would he want out now? 
Why would he want out right now when and I'm not I'm not acting like the eight no bubble run was winning a championship. Uh, it's, it's more than that. It's been more than that. But definitely. but I don't know. It just feels like an odd time to keep you know spreading these Booker wants out of Phoenix. It's just rumors. It's, it's the casual way he says it. Like, well, yeah, everybody. Oh knows yeah, everyone. That. Yeah, everyone like, knows that Booker wants out of Phoenix. Like who? And again, Devin Booker's never said that. I'm not attacking Ryan Rossillo, and I'm sure he is hearing that from people. But here locally, we're not hearing it. And I know Gambo went and, and did his homework again this afternoon to double check on that. Not hearing it. Uh, all the years I have covered the team, haven't heard it. There have been seasons. I mean, let's let's be let's be a hundred percent honest here because I think it it reinforces the argument ultimately that Booker is not saying he wants to leave. There are times when locally you look and you overvalue your team or you're overly optimistic about your team. And, and we've run polls on the station where it's like, would you rather have Devin Booker or Giannis before Giannis was MVP? And it was like overwhelmingly Booker. And it's like, okay, Booker's a really good player. Giannis might be the best in the NBA in, in any given year. So I understand that. And I understand there's, you know, they come off of a, a 23-win season in, in 2015-16 and people are like, oh, but now they're going to win 28. Everybody get on board. You know, they win 24, they win 21, they win 19. I understand that there is a tendency among some fans and, and media. It's just natural, natural, uh, natural, just a human instinct. You you want, I mean, I guess it goes both ways. There are some people, too, that are just overly pessimistic about the local teams. But there is that you want the local team to be good so badly that you find anything to get encouraged about. But this is not that team now. They won 34 games last season. They went on that tear in the bubble. But it's not just, okay, they won eight in a row. It's like, Aiton looked better. Booker is still somehow looking better. Mikael Bridges looks legit. Monty Williams is a real coach, and they're going to have a coach now two consecutive years. There are all these reasons that Devin Booker hypothetically could have wanted out over the last few years. They're all gone now. So I almost wonder if that is something Rosillo is saying, and I'm just speculating here, but I'm, I'm trying to logically work it out. I wonder if he's saying that because it is something that has been passed around NBA players or NBA media, just people talking over the last couple years of it's only a matter of time before Booker wants out. But it hasn't been updated because it sure seems like he's A, again, Booker has never said he wanted out. And B, if he was going to, it would have been two years ago, three years ago. Now the team is actually good. Why he has waded through this is, you know, he's getting paid a lot of money, but also you're waiting through it because you want to be there when the team starts to get good. It makes no sense at all for him to want to leave now. Now you are a team that is finally on the upswing, and you cannot overvalue the importance of having a legitimate coach in Monty Williams and having stability at that position. They haven't had that. How many head coaches have they had in the last five years? So, sure, maybe at some point somebody was like, yeah, Book's tired of playing for different coaches every year. And then that got passed to this person, and this person said this to this person. And it just kind of, it's like that old game of telephone you played when you were like five years old. And all of a sudden it, it just starts to build into, well, yeah, the Suns are winning 21 games again this year. And I'm sure Booker wants out. But that was two years ago. It's not the case. So it, we got that out of the way at the start of the show because it was the, the frustrating talk topic of the day. National people just sort of speculating almost as if it's fact about a local team that we all know more about in this case.
And I'm not saying Devin Booker's never going to leave the Phoenix Suns. I, I mean, if, if, they, if they don't take any more steps forward and two, three, four years down the line, they're still, you know, maybe they've made the playoffs once and exited in five games. Okay, well, that's different. But right now, come on. You really think that Book's looking around saying, if we're not going on a deep run this year, I'm out? It just doesn't make any sense at all. This is, this is the best you could legitimately feel about the Suns in what, the last five, six, seven years? Right where we are right now is, is it, it's, not, it's not, okay, let's, let's talk this up. Oh, they're moving in the right direction. And then in 2017, they win 24 games after winning 23 the year before. And the next year, they win 21. And then they win 19. It's not false optimism. Now there's actually something to point to and say they won 34 games last year out of 73. Not even, it's not like they went 34 and 48. They went 34 and 39. And they've won their last eight in a row. And they seem to be coming together as a team. It just it doesn't make the timing makes no sense at all. Let's uh, let's get into the rapid reaction. The rundown rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. All right, the Arizona Cardinals now just a few days away from their matchup with Tua and the Miami Dolphins who are going to be starting Matt Breida at running back, although he didn't practice today either. So um, I don't really know who they're going to be starting at running back. I would assume it's still going to be Breida, and maybe he's just uh, just sort of working through something. He is he's a running back that, if you recall from the 49ers a couple years ago, decent. You know, he's not, he's not a starting running back in the NFL probably for a reason, but he's one of those guys that's not like a terrible backup. Uh, Patrick Peterson... On his podcast, All Things Covered, talking about what he has seen from Tua so far. He's a gamer. I think, uh, I mean, you've seen it, you have seen it time and time and time again um, when he was on on the college level. And those were big stages. You know, the only thing that's changed now is just that he's in the NFL, the biggest, the biggest stage. And he's, and he's performed on the biggest stage when he was in college. Yeah, so we'll get more into that game, certainly uh, continuing in the NFL, but a broader picture. San Francisco, the 49ers, shut down their facility today because Kendrick Bourne, the wide receiver, tested positive for COVID. But, Cody, you were telling me before we went on the air, now there's a bunch of other players that are potentially connected to him. The Packers have their own situation in their backfield now because uh, A.J. Dillon is on the COVID reserve list and... We're in that sort of gray area where it's like, okay, who who has been in close contact with these guys? And for the Packers, they already don't have Aaron Jones potentially at running back. Jamal Williams had stepped in, but he's been in close contact with Dylan. Like, it's not just the San Francisco side of things, but the San Francisco side of things is the most extreme. Yeah, according to Matt Barrows, who covers the Niners for the Athletic, per league source, this is a tweet from him, Trent Williams, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel, who was already ruled out this week, were close contacts of Kendrick Bourne and will not play on Thursday. Wow. Wow. I don't know. I don't know how San Francisco. I mean, take this on top of all the injuries they've been just ravaged by this season. I, I don't know how they win this game if this game gets played. They're not going to delay or cancel a game because they feel bad for a team that their best players are out. It's more so going to be our other players in that game at risk because of the unknown like was this person close to the like those names you just rattled off they were close to Kendrick Bourne so they can't play out of the risk of them infecting other players on the 49ers or the Packers if it is 
as simple, and I put simple in air quotes, but if it's as simple as, as those names you just read off and the issues Green Bay has been dealing with in the backfield, then I think they're still going to play tomorrow. I mean, the game is, is 24 hours away now, and they haven't moved it. If, you know, if we wake up tomorrow and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, eight other guys might be infected, and, and if they play, we may have an entire team, then there's a chance it's the NFL with they'll push it back one day to Friday. Uh, there's a chance they could push it to Sunday or push it back, uh, I guess, later in the season. This is one of those situations. I mean, Green Bay's already had their bye week, I believe, where you're looking and saying if it goes to, uh, it, you know, if, if Green Bay can't play a game this week and they've already had their bye week, well, then would you pushing it to week 18? And then you start to get in that scenario we've been talking about this week where you may just go to 16 playoff teams. So hopefully, hopefully none of that plays out. Hopefully we just see... <laughs> Two teams, albeit two fairly shorthanded teams, playing on Thursday night tomorrow in a game that Green Bay should win. They probably should have won anyway, but that they should win. And finally, one more on the Cardinals, and we'll get more into this later on the show. Marcus Golden back. He was already on the team when they last played against Seattle, but it's it's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle because he got traded to the Cardinals on that Friday, but his old team, the Giants, had already played on Thursday, so he couldn't then play for the Cardinals on Sunday. You can't play for two different teams in the same football week. And then the Cardinals had a bye week. So Marcus Golden's been here now for almost two weeks, but he hasn't played a game yet. They will need him, certainly, on Sunday to help offset some of the loss of uh, Chandler Jones, but also Devon Kennard and Byron Murphy, both of which have also been ruled out by Cliff Kingsbury. So, like I said, we'll get more into that later on. We heard from Marcus Golden today, so we'll play some clips from that. When we come back, though, real intriguing matchup in this Dolphins-Cardinals game. Tua versus Kyler. Get into that. We're also going to talk to Lorenzo Alexander later on in the show and get his thoughts on how you would defend a guy like Tua and how you'd defend a guy like Kyler. we got a lot coming at you tonight. Like I said, sit back and relax, talk some sports, distract everybody. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. I think I've finally reconciled what it is about that Rosillo clip talking about Devin Booker that bothers me so much. It's not, it's not one of those shows where you, know, you have two people arguing and, and you know, it clearly one side is like a fabricated stance that they're taking and they're like, oh, Devin Booker should have to want to leave because Phoenix hasn't made it. It wasn't that. It wasn't just obvious garbage where somebody was just making something up to have something to talk about. It was just a throwaway comment like, oh, yeah, everybody knows Booker wants out. No, we don't. Until I hear that from Devin Booker, I'm not going to believe it. If I, if I didn't believe it two or three years ago when he had a lot of reasons where he could have logically wanted out, I sure don't believe it now when the team is finally, I think, knocking on the door of a playoff spot next season. We'll see. We've got we to gotta have a season first. We'll get into that in just a second. I want to get back to the Cardinals, though, and I want to play another clip here from Patrick Peterson talking about this weekend's matchup with the Miami Dolphins and how they want to try and win this game. With young quarterbacks, you know what their office coordinator is going to do is try to take the ball out of their hands, which means run, 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 bootleg screens, get them easy read, quick yep. games, RPOs, you know, trying to get him in a rhythm. So if we stop that run and get those guys behind the sticks early, win first down, make it more predictable football, then that's when you get in a, a phase of forcing Tua to beat you because now you're taking them, you're taking the run game away. Because yeah. now you're winning first downs. 
Yeah, that's Patrick Peterson on his podcast, the All Things Covered podcast, and that makes a lot of sense. And when you couple that with the fact that Miami doesn't have their starting running back, and at least for today, their backup, Matt Breida, didn't practice either, it does sound like Breida's going to play, but he's not their starting running back. So for Miami to take the ball out of Tua's hands, they're either going to be handing that ball to a backup running back, or they're just going to be trying to win with defense. They didn't really offensively do much against the Rams last week. Tua, what, he threw for 93 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions. Had a fumble. But in terms of passing, didn't turn the ball over, but he didn't throw very much. They won that game with their defense. And so, to me, when I hear Miami's probably going to try and, and, and win, you know, it's not despite Tua, but they're not, they're not asking him to win them the game. They can't. It's his second career NFL start. Well, it's not like he's turning around and handing the ball to Derrick Henry. They're going to need their defense to step up, and they're probably going to need Tua to make some plays to beat the Cardinals. Now, Miami's defense is pretty solid, and I would say arguably the most underrated in the NFL. The Cardinals have Kyler Murray, and what is so exciting about having a guy like Kyler Murray is he's almost matchup-proof, isn't he? Just the, just the, the style of football he plays. It's not to say he can't ever have a bad game. We've seen him have bad games but I don't know that we're going to go into a lot of a lot of games in the Kyler Murray era where we're like, oh, I, I, I think Kyler would be good except they're playing this team this week. You know, it's almost like if Kyler's going to have a good game, he's going to have a good game regardless of who the defense is, you know, unless you're playing Baltimore or something. But when you get more towards the middle of the pack and, oh, okay, Miami's defense has been better than so-and-so's defense, well, that's true, and it, it might make it harder. But just the, the, the style of football that Kyler Murray plays... I don't know. I I feel like I feel like this is quickly becoming a game the Cardinals really have to have because you're not going to get a ton of these games down the stretch where you're facing a rookie quarterback and a backup running back. And I also feel like it's the sort of game where if the Cardinals can get to like 27, like I said last night, and not turn the ball over, 24, 27, and not get and not turn the ball over, not let Miami's defense beat you, you got to like your chances in this one. It's also a great matchup, though, with Kyler uh, and and Tua. I mean, everything that Tua is now going through, Kyler just went through it. And he was asked about that today. Yeah, I mean, he's had time to, you know, kind of watch. Obviously, you know, watching and playing is two different things. Um, Second game for me, playing the Ravens, you know, um, for me, my mentality going in that one was that, you know, the the first week was felt so bad obviously we ended up you know coming back and you know putting ourselves in a position to win the game but it just felt it felt bad from a you know personal standpoint um that I felt like you know that next week I had to you know I had no no choice but to go off um you know through for 350 against a good Ravens team did didn't you know we didn't put the ball in the end zone but uh, enough but um you know, I just, you know, I felt like I had to do more and be better that next week. You know, obviously, uh, I, don't, I don't I don't really know his stats from last week, but um, I'm sure, you know, he's he's got a feeling of, you know, hey, okay, I got a, you know, I got a taste of it or I got a little, you know, um, example. But now, you know, I've I, I seen it. I can, you know, what I got a lot to work on. Uh, he knows what he felt, you know, that week one, that uh, he can get better at that week two. So, um, you know, uh, I'm sure he's, you know, I'm sure he's feeling good. Yeah, and remember, the Cardinals are coming into this game without Kenyon Drake, too. I know a lot of Cardinals fans are more excited to see Chase Edmonds run the ball than than Drake at this point anyway, but 
Miami's thin at running back, sure. The Cardinals are thin at running back, too. I mean, it's it's Chase Edmonds, who hasn't done a lot of starting in his NFL career, and then a lot of inexperience behind him. So it's it's not like Arizona's coming in at full strength. I mean, nobody's full strength here in, in, in week nine of the season. Back to the NBA and some optimism that we may have NBA games next month, which is crazy because the finals just ended, what, two, three weeks ago. Uh, the uh, the league is, I don't know, There's ESPN had a, a story out that player reps are expected to approve a December 22nd start to the season as soon as tomorrow. So the NBA Board of Governors and the Players Association are going to hold separate meetings on Thursday, so tomorrow. And it's expected that they are going to come to an agreement on starting this upcoming season on December 22nd, playing a reduced 72-game schedule. I don't think anybody uh, expects an 82-game schedule. I know a lot of people were thinking maybe 50, but the reason you have to hit that 72-game mark and why the owners are going to push so hard for that instead of starting in January or February is you got to get the TV money. Because if you're not getting money at the gate from the fans, you have to get the TV money, and that's why you have to hit that 72-game mark. So... It's a quick turnaround if you are on the Lakers or the Heat. I mean, it's even worse if you're the Heat because it's a quick turnaround and you don't have a championship ring to show for it. But it may be inevitable because also they don't want to go deep into the summer because you don't want to mess with the Olympics. And more importantly, at least from my perspective, you don't want to mess with next season. This is Andre Iguodala talking about the possibility of a December 22nd start. You know, I think our number one concern is player health. Um, being in the COVID environment and also uh, that quick turnaround. You know, we're only three weeks out from the NBA Finals. So um, I think this is a very important decision decision that we don't want to rush to. And uh, we're just trying to explore our options and, and, and give our players all the information they need before we make a decision. Yeah, and there's other things I'm sure they can do. I mean, over the course of a 72-game schedule, I would assume that when you are a team from the West, if you're traveling, you know, towards even the Midwest or whatever – I don't know if they would just break it up where just teams in the West only play the West and the East plays the East, but there's ways you can cut down on travel. I mean, if you are the Suns and you're playing Portland, let's say, and you're going to play them three times and twice in Portland, then maybe you can play them twice in the same weekend in Portland. I don't know. I mean, that, that stuff is all still to be worked out, but there's at least ways you can cut down on travel potentially a little bit. This is, this is not going to be a bubble like we just saw. The NBA... Uh, the owners and the players worked together about as well as you possibly could have hoped to get the season restarted this past season and execute all that. And, you know, I'm sure that that bubble wasn't cheap, but to get that to go off without a hitch and to not have players test positive and to play out the full playoffs and, and you know, hit that hit the 72-game mark last season, too, with those uh, those extra games some teams played in the bubble. That's why the Suns had a chance to go 8-0. Uh, to be able to pull that off, the owners and players, I thought, worked together really well. Uh, they did it in hockey, too. I thought those two sports did an excellent job. Baseball kind of stumbled around for a while. They ultimately got it together. But um, hopefully the NBA owners and players can work together as well now going forward for this season. Because as Iguodala said right there, you know, we don't want to rush into this. We want to make sure we're, we're doing this right. The pushback certainly is, yeah, it's only been a couple weeks so far, and then when you add another month and a half, you know, it's basically going to be a little over two months for the Lakers and the Heat. But for teams that didn't make the playoffs, I mean, what, the Suns last played in mid-August? 
And also they had only played eight games total since March. So, I mean, for a team like the Suns, if you start in December, you've played eight games in nine months. That You're not going to be... <laughs> Not gonna be too beat up after that, so we'll see. But I mean, obviously, it'd be great to have the NBA back. I'm a little surprised it would potentially be that quick. But once you dig deeper and realize, yeah, they got to hit the 72 games for the TV money. Money drives everything. It's it's not that surprising. All right, we're gonna get a different perspective on this uh, this Cardinals game coming up this weekend from a guy who played the game and was playing as recently as last season. Lorenzo Alexander joins us next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It is The Rundown, Luke Lipinski here with you, Cody Fincher behind the glass. Wednesday evening as we close in on the Cardinals' eighth game of the season. This is fun, being 5-2, and two, facing a Miami team that... It's kind of sneaky good. They're 4-3, and three, but it's a team you feel like the Cardinals can beat if they play their game. More than that, though, you've got the extra added twist of it's Tua. It's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you're seeing the future of the Dolphins, a guy that you think you should probably be able to beat because it's his second start. But he gives you some different looks. I mean, he's a rookie. You, haven't, you don't have much tape of him at the NFL level, obviously. He's left-handed. Well, maybe that doesn't mean a whole lot, or maybe it does. Maybe, I mean, it's, it's at least an adjustment. There's not a lot of left-handed starting quarterbacks uh, in the NFL all time, really. I think I saw a stat over the weekend. There's been 40 left-handed quarterbacks in the NFL, not all of them starters, like ever. So that's at least a different look. The Dolphins are a little beat up. The Cardinals are a little beat up. But the Cardinals have a chance potentially to pull into a tie for first place with the Seahawks if Arizona wins and the Bills beat the Seahawks this weekend. So what better guy to talk to than former Buffalo Bill Lorenzo Alexander joining us on the line. Zo, how you doing tonight, man? Doing pretty good, Luke. How you been? I've been good. This has been a fun football season across the uh, the whole league. First, before we even get into the Cardinals, you told me at the start of the year, watch out for the Bills to win that division. Pretty good start so far. I guess you were right. Yeah, I mean, they're playing well. I mean, obviously we knew that there was going to be a down year for the Patriots with Tom Brady moving on and seeing all those players opt out and just looking at the Jets not being ready, obviously. And then obviously Miami's still in the middle of their rebuild, even though they're looking really good of late. Their defense has been playing lights out. So, you know, kind of um, an, an insertion of uh, Tua now is going to be uh, interesting to see how they continue to develop with uh, the defense leading that team. Well, so yeah, let's see. You brought it up. Let's talk about Tua and the Dolphins, who the Cardinals are going to face this week. And I just want to ask a couple questions to start off, just from your experience playing in the league and having a lot of success as a defensive player. When you are facing a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback that's inexperienced, and this is his second start ever, and we played a clip last segment of Patrick Peterson saying, you know, Miami's, they're going to try and get the ball out of Tua's hands and, and let some other guys beat us. I mean, I would assume as a defense even if you have all the respect in the world for Tua's game, don't you kind of want to make him beat you as opposed to somebody else? Yeah, you definitely want to make him beat you, obviously keeping him in the pocket, uh, limiting him, giving him different looks on the back end, up front. You know, Vance Joseph did a great job uh, against Russell Wilson showing something and then it being something completely different, you know, simulated blitzes, all those type of things that veteran quarterbacks usually can identify or ID and make the right decisions. And so anytime that you can make a young quarterback, um, you know, hold on to the ball, be indecisive, that's normally when good things happen for the defense, whether it's a, you know, sack strip fumble, maybe interception because he's seeing ghost. 
Um, and those are the times we could be, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities and, and get up on him early. You mentioned Vance Joseph, and I know that he took a lot of criticism earlier this season, but Zoe, if you look at his at, at last three games, I mean, the Cardinals, I know it's the Jets, but they hold them to 10 points. They hold Dallas to 10 points, and they struggled against Seattle in the first half, but in the second half in overtime, they hold Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to just seven points. What have you seen from Vance Joseph's defense this season? Um, they're definitely getting better as the season goes along. Um, and I think as a league, when you look at it in, in, in its totality, that a lot of defenses have been behind this year and just haven't played um, up to par. And it looks like this has been a lot of points being scored. And I think that's what obviously fans love and, and like to see. But as the season is kind of going on, um, especially with the, the, the Cardinals defense, they're starting to play more cohesive, understanding each other, because there was an insertion of some free agents, you know, communicating, especially on the back end. And if they continue to limit the big play, uh, which is hard to do in this league just by the way it's designed with rules and stuff, they're going to continue to get better. And then we saw even last week with Vance Joseph dialing up some things, which I think in a way Chandler Jones not being out there, you never, you obviously always want your good players though, but sometimes you have to create pressure. Sometimes you relate so heavily on your players to make plays, and when they don't, you're like, what's going on? And so they think getting more creative for showing some different looks and not just being stagnant which I think has really helped them together get more guys involved. And now you're going to see a collective unit out there continue to rise and, and play well. And it's been fun to watch, you know, seeing them win games, seeing them play great defense or better defense. And, uh, you know, it's really been fun for the, the fans out here in the Valley and, and for me to watch week in and week out. Well, one of those guys that made a big play, he didn't play much, but he made a huge play in overtime against the, the Seahawks in the last game was Isaiah Simmons. Only five snaps in that game, but the huge interception. He hasn't played much this year. I know that, you know, no preseason, weird offseason, everything, rookie trying to step in. But, yeah. Zoe, you were always just so renowned as such a good leader in the locker room and on the field. I mean, if you were on Isaiah Simmons' team right now, if you were on the Cardinals, what would you be telling the young guy right now as he tries to break into the league? Yeah, just stay patient. Um, obviously, make your mark on special teams until you earn the right and grow as a football player to get out there more and contribute more on defense. And that's really all you, you can do, control what you can control, continue to work and continue to improve. But with the lack of an offseason, yeah, we see some other rookies around the league making plays, and we wish that Isaiah had that same situation right now. But everybody's not the same. Um, everybody's learning curve is different. Everybody learns differently. Um, and so and there's going to be a process here, as we've seen, that it's going to take Isaiah a little bit longer before he's a, um every-down type of linebacker. Um, and I think because he you know, did so much in college, was so athletic, that transition has just been a little bit slower. Now they ask him to do some things you know, at, at um, the wheel linebacker spot and just hasn't caught on as fast as everybody wished. But, you know, make your mark other places. Force their hand. Uh, to put you out there in certain situations, whether that's third down packages, passing downs, uh, coming up with specific packages for you, especially if you start balling on special teams, covering punts, covering kicks, making tackles. They ain't like, man, we got to get him out there. We got to figure out, you know, unique ways to to, to utilize his skill set. Yeah, great advice there, certainly. Uh, with a guy like Marcus Golden, who's obviously had success in this league before, yeah. and with the Cardinals, how difficult is that, though, to step over and, and switch teams midseason? He'll be fine. I mean, he's a pass rusher at heart. You know, four down, put your hand in the dirt and go. Get after the quarterback. And I think until he, you know, the defense isn't overly complicated, at least the base stuff, he'll be fine because he's been in the league for so long. And, you know, I was uh, I was uh, with Marcus when he was a rookie in his league. And uh, 
He is a special player, a special person, and you can even hear it in some of his his remarks, just how excited he is to be back here, um, the leadership that he's going to bring on and off the field. And then obviously his talent speaks for itself. When he's had the opportunity to get out there and play significant downs and rush, he puts up numbers. He disruptive, creates sacks, he creates havoc. And I think, you know, obviously in these first couple of weeks, that's all you need to do, you know, obviously put him in the end spot, you know, over, under, you know, whatever defense they have is real simple when it becomes, you know, from a schematic side of the ball as a defensive lineman and, and get after it. It's not like you have to communicate with a whole bunch of guys maybe on the game stuff, but that's very, you know, low end of the spectrum when you talk about uh, sophistication and when you talk about a new player introducing himself into, uh, into the team. Talking to Lorenzo Alexander, Zo back to the game this uh, this Sunday. Does it does it throw a defense off to face a left handed quarterback? Is it something that maybe just takes a drive to get used to, or does it not matter? Maybe um, you know in practice this week. I, I don't I, I don't think they have a left handed quarterback on their roster, but they're going to have to simulate. You know, obviously instead of guys booting out to the defensive left, now they're going to be booting out to the defensive right. Uh, because Tua is left-handed. And that's where you'll probably see most of the changes because, um, you know, you always need a scout report. Uh, you know, this team always boots to the defensive left because that's ma- majority of the time quarterbacks are right-handed. They may flip some formations here and there. Um, the good thing is that you do have some games for him to watch him uh, playing what he did last week versus uh, the Rams, even though that game was out of hand because of how great the Miami defensive plays. So I don't know how much you can really take. But he did have some signs of, you know, just trying to get the ball out of his hands quickly. We saw a couple of times where they tried to go five five wide, you know, empty backfield that he struggled. I mean, he, he took a big sack early in the game, gave the ball up. Um, and so I think they're going to try to protect him, get out of the pocket, roll out, use half the field, you know, try to run the ball, use some play action. He showed some signs they could throw the ball down the field to him and uh, made some good throws. Uh, but at the end of the day, he is a rookie, and you want to try to treat him like a rookie. Um, and so the defense just need to come out, get after him, uh, obviously play great complimentary football and not allow um, this Miami Dolphins defense to dominate like they did last week versus the Rams because then it be, the game didn't even really matter what Tua did at that point, even though he had some turnovers. I mean, they gave up, what, a strip sack fumble to the house. The Rams did another strip sack that almost got this to the one-yard line. Uh, I think they gave up a kickoff return or punt return, a special teams touchdown. Um, and had another interception. And so when you have a game like that on the first half, um, there is really no even pressure on Tua. And that's the last thing you want to do as a defense um, is not allow to put the pressure on him. And so offensively, they got to make sure they um, allow the defense to, to be aggressive, uh, to be able to show all these things uh, so that Tua can possibly make some mistakes and, and give his team multiple opportunities to, to, to turn it over for themselves. Makes a lot of sense. So, last question for you. I got to ask. We uh, we had the clip of Russell Wilson saying he spends about a million dollars a year on on just recovery to get through this. I mean, that is that's not common around the league, is it? There is no way a year he must have. He must be overpaying folks because they're literally at his house every day, and he has to have he has to have at least at least 10 people paying him a hundred grand a year. I mean, I, you know, I take great pride in my, and I'm not saying Russell's lying. And I, and I think it's maybe cumulative. He He's spent a million, but you know, and I take great care of my body. I don't have a personal chef, but I would spend probably, I don't know, 20,000 on massages. So yeah, I mean, probably 50 
And I think I was high. I mean, to 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 fathom a million dollars, that is just out of this world. I can't I can't believe it. And the crazy thing, because of the new tax law, half that stuff you can't even write off as an athlete. So maybe Sierra, maybe they do it through their business and they got a cool way to do it. But that's just that's just ridiculous to me. I can't even fathom it. But no no wonder why he's playing at the level he is, because he has all that, that help around him, people that I know he gives a lot of credit to for keeping him healthy and engaged and focused so he can go out there and ball the way he's been. Yeah, well, maybe he's just a really big tipper. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> him and CR, I think they probably yeah, have Yeah, I, I, I would have to see. I mean, Russ, man, show me, show me your expense sheet, brother. I got to see this. Who's getting <laughs> what? I need to get... Get in, get in that circle so I can get bro- broken off a little bit. <laughs> well, Zoe, I always feel football smarter after I talk to you, man. Uh, great stuff as always. Thanks for the time and enjoy the, the rest of the season here. Oh, I'm sure we'll talk to you again before the end, though. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. We still work on this Luke and Zoe show, man. What's up, man? Let, let's make it happen. Get it done. Let's, I, All right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to let you work on that. And I'm going to jump at the last second and back you up, and then it's going to happen. All right, I got you. All right, thanks a lot. That's Lorenzo Alexander chiming in on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line. Coulter Cadillac Tempe, experience the difference. Visit com. And, uh, yeah, some good stuff there. You know, I, I always wonder, what is it like facing a left-handed quarterback? What's it like facing a rookie quarterback? Because you do have to sort of change your approach a little bit. It's You're not facing Tom Brady where you're you're trying to take the ball out of the quarterback's hands. In this case, you you want the ball into his hands. Even if he's going to end up being good, he's so inexperienced. But I, I, I like I like a lot of what Zoe just said right there. But but towards the end, you just got to find ways to put pressure on him. You cannot let Miami's defense and special teams bail out the rookie quarterback the way they did against the L.A. Rams last week. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll check in on Marcus Golden. We'll hear a little bit from him as he makes his first uh, appearance for the Cardinals and two years. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski. Luke, I am your father. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, our thanks to Lorenzo Alexander for checking in last segment. Always like talking to Zoe. Good time to talk to him, too, as the Cardinals get set to take on the Miami Dolphins and then get set to take on Buffalo next week, but also Buffalo taking on Seattle this week. So the Bills could uh, they could do the Cardinals a uh, pretty big favor if they could. And it's it's certainly not it's not out of the, the realm of possibility. I mean, the Bills are in first place in their division for a reason. Uh, we'll see if they can get their offense going again against the Seahawks and maybe uh, maybe give the Seahawks their second loss of the season. One of the guys the Cardinals are going to be leaning on a lot this week and going forward because of the loss of Chandler Jones and because of the losses this week of Devon Kennard and also Byron Murphy. Marcus Golden can't really help do what Byron Murphy does, but he can help hopefully offset the loss of Devon Kennard here going forward. Golden is back after the trade uh, about a week and a half ago heading into the Seahawks game. Didn't get to play in that game. But uh, but he should be good to go this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. And he spoke to the Arizona media today. It's the first time I have heard from him, really, speaking extensively. Uh, one of the questions was, how did you find out about the trade? I kind of went to sleep in a bad mood, man. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, just, just thinking, like, you know how it go, man. It's, uh, just went to sleep in a bad mood, kind of. Woke up with a couple missed calls. And uh, my agent was one and the New York Giants was one. So I knew then. I say, uh, I know I'm out of here, but I don't know where I'm going to be going. And uh, so I got on the phone with my agent, talked to him a little bit. I, and they told me where I was going. And I got up and started packing my bags, man. Started packing my bags up, packed my cars up, and was ready to get back to Arizona. 
and play some football, man. So that that's what my mindset was. When I found out that uh that it was Arizona, man, I got right up out the bed and started packing my bags to get get out here. I love how he started that with I'm gonna be honest with you. Marcus Golden is always honest with you. <laughs> always very straightforward. And probably the reason he was upset is if you recall, the Giants had played on Thursday night football, so he got traded between the Thursday night game and then the Cardinals game that Sunday. That was the weird game they lost two weeks ago uh, from tomorrow. That 22-21 loss to Philadelphia where like Evan Ingram mishandled a pass that probably would have been a touchdown that would have been good enough to win. Daniel Jones broke off that long run and then just fell and didn't get in the end zone. And so, yeah, I would imagine probably pretty frustrated to be on the Giants at that point. They go to 1-6, and six, and then, you know, within 24 hours you find out, hey, not only are you going back to your old team, the Cardinals, but you are going there and, and they're playing pretty good football. And then they obviously went out and beat uh, Seattle as well. Now, last time Marcus Golden was here, him and Chandler Jones were wreaking havoc on opposing offensive lines. So he was asked, do you feel any pressure now to make up for the loss of Chandler Jones? You can't replace a guy like Chandler, man. Really top best, best pass rusher in the league. I didn't play with Chandler Jones and learned a lot from him. And um, uh, like, like you say, this is this the business where a lot of the injuries happen. Uh, I know Chandler, he happy for me. He called me quick and was yelling on the phone. And so, so yes, it's, it's hard to know Chandler had to go down because, to be honest, I want to be on the opposite side with Chandler and, and hunting like we used to. But I'm I'm going to hold it down for him, and uh, it ain't no pressure or nothing. It's just football. At the end of the day, i got to come here and do my job, and that's to play football. So I'm excited to be back here and be able to help the Cardinals. But I know Chandler, man, He, uh, I know he wish he was out there too, but we're going to work hard until we get back, and hopefully me and him can get back at it together one day. Doesn't he just make you happy? Yeah. I love Marcus <laughs> Golden. I'm so happy he's back. I'm glad you said that. I'm, I'm just so happy that they got him back because he's just a fun guy to have on the team. And he's what they need. I mean, how about that 2016 season? So you're coming off your run to the NFC Championship. You get Chandler Jones. There was the all-or-nothing stuff in the offseason. And that 2016 season, that was the first year I did the uh, the Cardinals pre- and post-game. Cody, were you working on those that year, too? I feel like you were there. You Maybe there were 2017. What year was this? 2016. So that was the year. I would have been like, fresh out of college in 2016, I I think. Okay. If, that seems so long ago. I can't remember. <laughs> Everything seems long ago at this point after the last eight months. I think I was a, a year out from, from being on the post-game shows with you. Well, that was the year that they just, I mean, they would find a weird way to lose every week. There was like so many special teams issues. They came into that season with such high expectations because they had just gone to the NFC Championship and B.A. was the star of, of All or Nothing. And remember, like, All or Nothing, that was the first year that Amazon had done that. And we didn't even know they were doing it on the Cardinals until, like, it was released and there was all this hype about that team, and then they went 7-8-1. and one. And it was, it was a frustrating 7-8-1 and because they lost the opener to Jimmy Garoppolo and the Patriots. And then you know, they just they had some game. They had the 6-6 tie against the Seahawks. It was a very unsatisfying season. But what was good about it was it was Chandler Jones' first season with the Cardinals. He had 11 sacks, and Marcus Golden had 12.5 sacks. So those two out there together, 23.5 sacks between the two of them. I mean, just, just beasts and... Um, you know, Golden after that, he was hurt in 2017 a lot and missed some games in 2018 and then off to the Giants in 2019. But look, I'm excited to have him back now, but, you know, maybe next year. I, I, I wouldn't be upset if we had Golden and Chandler Jones out there again. Just It's 2016, I know. It feels like it was a while ago. It wasn't that long ago. Maybe we recapture some of that magic. All right, let's get some of the uh, injury updates 
for the Cardinals this weekend. And I don't think this this bit of news here is a shock, but here's Cliff Kingsbury talking about what to expect from Devon Kennard and Byron Murphy going forward. They won't play this week. Um, we're hopeful to, to get them back next week, and, and they're not uh, to this point. Um, you know, every every day you wake up and check your email and kind of pray, but um, to this point, there have not been any new positives. Yeah, well, I mean, that's certainly the good news. No new positives on the Cardinals. Now it's been a few days. I'm not a scientist. I think we've all tried to uh, to play scientist at some point since March, but I can at least tell you it's a good it's a good sign that there haven't been any new positives on the Cardinals because. The uh, the Kennard and Murphy stuff now, it's, it's been a few days. So it makes sense they won't be able to play this Sunday. And, and those are big losses. Uh, you hope Marcus Golden can step right in. But now, from where you were a few weeks ago, you're playing without Chandler Jones and Devon Kennard in that front seven. So, you know, you, you got to make do. I mean, you can you can get frustrated about it or you can look across the field and realize Miami's got injuries too. And, and that's just life in the NFL but um, in the secondary now, no Byron Murphy. That that is difficult. They are hoping maybe they will get Jalen Thompson back. I'm hopeful if Jalen has a good week of practice and then feels 100 percent that that he'll be able to give it a go this week. Uh, still remains to be seen, but I I'm hopeful um, that we can pull that off. Yeah, Jalen Thompson, well, he's been out since, since week one. But I mean, he he um, he was one of those guys that you know towards the end of last season. Obviously, all the focus is on Kyler and, and Cliff Kingsbury closing out their first uh, seasons in the NFL on a on a strong note. But you know, Jalen Thompson was one of those guys that kind of stepped in, one of the young players on the team, and he got better towards the end of last season. So they haven't had him since week one against the 49ers. If they could get him back, that's that's a much-needed boost there in the uh, in the secondary because you're thin back there without Byron Murphy and uh Drake Patrick has been beat up you know Patrick Peterson can only do so much Buda Baker it feels like there are three Buda Bakers out there right now but still <laughs> you don't want to test that you need some some bodies back there in the secondary so it would be nice to get Jalen Thompson back and um you know just anything you can anything you can do with that defense with Vance Joseph dialing plays up i've i've been impressed by what i've seen from from him in the last 3 weeks uh, not the first half against Seattle, obviously. I think it was 388 yards for the Seahawks in the first half. That's a problem. But to be able to make the adjustments at halftime, how many times have we seen it? I mean, I, I, 2018, where the Cardinals would look flat on offense in the first half or you know, basically do what they just did against Seattle on Sunday in the first half. And then come out in the second half, and you're like, okay, they had that halftime, all right, I got a snack, I'm going to sit down and watch the second half, and they look exactly the same. They didn't make any adjustments. That's not the case this year. So I know a lot of people are like, that should be a hot seat for Vance Joseph. I, I like the idea of, of keeping my defensive coordinator for more than one season because we've been bouncing around now in, in that regard for the last few years with the Cardinals. If he's not doing a good job, okay, well, that's a different story. But I think he is doing a good job, especially over the last three weeks. And he's going to be tested this week with no Kennard and no Murphy and obviously already no Chandler Jones. But it would be nice, certainly, to get Jalen Thompson back in the mix in that secondary. All right, we come back. Hour number two of the show. We will start it with the reload. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload.
Hour number two, live from the Auction Community Studio. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher, Bear behind the glass. Bear pointed out during the break, 19-year anniversary. I would assume most Arizona sports fans, now that I say that, are thinking back, what was going on 19 years ago? Luis Gonzalez, game-winning hit off Mariano Rivera to win the World Series in 2001. And I took the, uh, the time during the break to watch the replay just to see the, the drama sort of build and everything. You know what stands out? I mean, D-backs win that game at, at Bank One Ballpark at the time. It's just great to see fans at a sporting event, right? It's, it's been, I guess what, it's been seven and a half months. It feels like it's been years, and certainly this is the extreme. I'm watching a, a highlight, a walk-off hit to win the World Series at home, so you're really going to notice the fans. But, man, that's, that's what stands out about it. And just... Uh, Real crowd noise too, not not pumped in. Yeah, just great stuff right there. So, nice what's crowd noise? <laughs> crowd noise is the thing they play out of the big speakers out at the upper deck. Oh, uh, to the stuff going on right now. This uh, Wednesday, November fourth, twenty twenty. Cardinals getting ready for their game against the Dolphins this weekend. And it's not just a big game for the Cardinals. It's a big game for the Dolphins as well as they try and run down the Bills for first place in the AFC East. There's also the matchup between Kyler Murray and Tua. Tyler talked about the advantages and disadvantages of being a rookie quarterback in the NFL. There may be an under, you know, people might underestimate you or... uh... I don't know. It can, it can go either way. You know, they can underestimate you. They can uh, respect you. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're a rookie quarterback, you obviously you just got to prove yourself. Um, and that was kind of my thing every every Sunday was, you know, try to just go out there and get better. Um, obviously put our team in a situation where we can win the game. But, um, you know, I had to prove myself each and every week that I belong. Uh, I'm still doing that to this day. But, um, you know, that was my whole focus, you know, was obviously, you know, you, gotta, you just got to, Beat, you know, try to gain that confidence, and once that confidence gets rolling, you know, you just you feel more comfortable and comfortable. Yeah, you know, you hear Kyler Murray talk about he has something to prove. Number one overall pick and played all last season, and still does like he has something to prove. And then you remember some of these guys that were just busts in the NFL at the quarterback position, like Johnny Manziel that stepped in and, and felt like the league owed them everything. <laughs> you can see why Kyler's having success, and some of these guys uh, they don't make it. But there are some interesting similarities between Kyler and Tua because. You're talking about the number one overall pick in 2019 in Kyler. Tua was going to be the number one overall pick in 2020 before he had that injury. And and look, Joe Burrow had an amazing season, won a national championship. So so maybe he would have unseated him anyway. But going into last college season, the thought was, yeah, Tua will be the number one pick. And yet, aside from the fact that they have a lot of hype coming into the NFL and they've already had a lot of success, they also really do both have something to prove because Kyler has to you know he had to step in and, and show that you could not be very tall be a quarterback and be successful and be worthy of a number one overall pick and he's showing that Tua had to step in and show that he's healthy again after that hip injury I mean there were some people that thought his career might be over at Alabama before he even got to the NFL after that injury so two supremely talented guys with a, with a lot to prove Kyler has Less to prove now, but he still plays with that mindset of he's got to prove himself, which I love. That's one of my favorite things about him. That's that's why I think he's going to be such a good quarterback in this league for another decade plus. 
uh, really beyond that, because he has that mindset to go with the skill. Over to the NBA. Well, I'll just play the clip for you. Ryan Rossillo on the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday. They recorded. I, I listened to the first hour of it looking for this clip. And it turns out this clip was an hour and three minutes in. So unfortunately, somebody else had already pulled it when I got here. But this is Ryan Rossillo. They're not even talking about the Suns, but listen to what he just casually tosses in there. I don't see anyone in the West. I don't I don't think one contender is like, we got to make a move. I think everybody's going to be pretty careful. Phoenix okay. is maybe a little, there's a little desperation to well, desperation be to good. Add. Desperation yeah, to, be good. to add to it, but they got to worry about the Booker thing because the, the, the worst kept secret in the league is Booker already wants out of there. And if it's another bad season, I actually think that could get ugly. Yeah, I just, I, I don't doubt that Ryan Rossillo has heard that from people around the league, but I think looking at it logically, it makes no sense at all that Booker would be saying that now. I've, I've never heard Devin Booker say it. I'm not around Devin Booker all the time, but I've never heard anybody else say that he has said he wants out of the league. There's been all that speculation, and sometimes, you know, understandably so, when the team is winning 24, 23, 21, 19 games, and, you know, his buddies go to, to play for Minnesota, or, you know, New York has a bunch of salary. I don't know why anybody would ever go to the Knicks, but, you know, you look around and you see players pairing off with their friends and, and building super teams around the league in certain markets, and then you see Devin Booker, who's got all this talent, and the team's winning 19, 20, 21 games. I understand how people make the connection and look and say, eh, get a little uneasy here that he may just want to get out of town at some point if they don't turn it around. But I've never heard Devin Booker say it. And if that is rooted in the idea that the Suns have been bad and he, well, he's going to want to get out of here at some point, well, now they're finally starting to play well. 34-39 and 39 last season. So 34 wins is a huge improvement over the previous four years. And they also didn't play a full 82 game, so those 34 wins, it's an even better winning percentage. Consistency from year to year now with a good head coach and Monty Williams. Mikael Bridges is getting really good. Kelly Oubre, if they don't trade him, is coming back at least for half the season. If they don't trade him at the trade deadline, then you have him all season. DeAndre Ayton making pride. Like they are they look like an actual team. Cam Johnson can hit shots. Like they are now finally looking like a legitimate NBA team that they were in the East, I think for sure they'd make the playoffs this year. I think they'll be knocking on the door either way in a loaded Western Conference. Why would he want to leave now? It just it doesn't make any sense. And it's unsettling because it's not like they were going back and forth there and it's it's one of those shows where it's like, oh, you gotta come up with a hard hot take and, and say something and Rosillo's like, oh well I that Devin Booker wants to leave Phoenix. He just kinda tossed it in there like, oh yeah, everybody knows that. I don't know that. I, I, when I hear it from Devin Booker, then I will be a lot more nervous. And, you know, the the constant narrative of, well, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is a good friend. He's going to want to play with him. D'Angelo Russell is going to want to play with him. I mean, I have friends that I don't work with. You, you can you can be friends with somebody and not work with them. That's, that's actually possible. Uh, back to the NFL, 49ers, Packers potentially in jeopardy, although it sounds like they're going to play it tomorrow night. That game is set to start in about 23-ish hours. Uh, the 49ers closed down their practice facility today. Kendrick Bourne testing positive for COVID. There are a few players now. Uh, Brandon Ayuk. Um, we say Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, because they've been around him. They probably aren't going to play tomorrow. Not that they have it, but they're probably not going to be able to play. Green Bay is a similar situation in their backfield, although 
Green Bay at least still has Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in their defense. The 49ers already have a ton of injuries, too, with no Garoppolo and no Kittle. And, and now, I mean, they're running backs. They lose two every week. Um, if they don't have Ayuk tomorrow, they already weren't going to have Debo Samuel. If that game gets played and they're not going to move it just because they feel bad for the 49ers, they would only move it if there's a risk of more players getting uh, infected. But if that game gets played, I don't know how the 49ers are going to win that game. Uh, back to basketball. December 22nd is the potential start date. ESPN has a story out today saying player reps are expected to approve that December 22nd start to the NBA season. The Board of Governors meeting tomorrow. Players Association meeting. Separate meetings. But uh, it is expected that both sides are going to agree on a deal to play a 72-game season starting December 22nd. That's a month and a half away could feasibly have the NBA starting back up right as the NFL regular season winds down. And we talked about it last segment, but the Cardinals will get Marcus Golden his first action as uh, as a member of Arizona 2.0. Now this time around, after he played the last season and a half with the New York Giants, Golden had 10 sacks last year with the Giants, 12 and a half back in 2016 with the Cardinals, and uh, they need him because no Devon Kennard or Byron Murphy on top of already not having Chandler Jones this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. Two kind of beat-up teams squaring off at State Farm Stadium in that regard. When you look at Miami and they don't have Miles Gaskin now, Matt Breida is... Is he listed as questionable or he just didn't practice today? I, I would have... I would assume Matt Breed is going to play, but the Dolphins are a little bit beat up as well, and the Cardinals trying to run that record to 6-2 and two and potentially climb into a tie for first with the Seattle Seahawks, depending what they do against the Buffalo Bills this weekend. All right, that's the reload. We're going to come back and play a little over-under next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Rundown with Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. I think we could all use game time with the way this uh, week has been going. Kind of a stressful, you know, it's kind of a stressful year for people. And, uh, kind of. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I just figured I'd understate something. I'd be the one person in the world understating things. Um, I don't think this round of over-under that we're playing is going to solve everything, but it'll be a nice 10-minute Wouldn't reprieve. that be awesome if it did? What if it did? What That's if, also a lot of pressure on That's us. true. But what if it did solve everything, but we didn't even realize it in the moment? That'd be fine. Yeah, okay. So we'll give it a shot, right? Why not? Let's do it. Maybe they'll look back in like a week and be like, you know what solved everything was Luke and Bear playing over-under on uh, on Wednesday night. Um, okay, I'll go first. It's a very simple game. I'm going to throw out a number. I'm going to throw out a statement. You either have to go over the number or under the number, and I will begin in the NFL. They just flashed a uh, along one of the scrolls on the TVs in here. Antonio Brown saying he's a better person now. I can't really quantify that with a number over under he's better or not. Over under four and a half catches for Antonio Brown against the Saints this Sunday. Over. 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 Oh, an emphatic over. over. We talked about that yesterday, how we both think that he's going to get a lot of targets. Yeah, they just seem to be in love with Antonio Brown. Yeah, it's funny. My first one's Antonio Brown related, but it's not catches. 
over under two and a half touchdowns tomorrow, or not tomorrow, this Sunday against the Saints. They're playing the Saints. Well, I'll take the under. I do think that I, I don't know how much he's going to play in his first game. He's, he's got, but I think when he plays, Brady just seems to Brady seems to be on this mission to prove to everybody that a it was him, not Belichick. B, Gronk is a fun party guy to have on your team. And C, Antonio Brown's the greatest receiver ever. He already tried this with the Patriots, and they lasted like a game together. Um, I do think Brady's going to force feed him the ball. It wouldn't shock me if he had a touchdown. It wouldn't completely stun me if he had two. I would mm-hmm. I would have taken the under on one and a half, two, but it wouldn't shock me. If he, if he has three, I'm turning the TV off. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm Can't take it. TV Can't take this right anymore. out the window. I'm just tossing it out the window. <laughs> Uh, okay, here's one for you. Over under January 1st, the NBA season starts. Now they're talking about December 22nd, but nothing has been agreed to. There's been a lot of talk players only want to play 50 games. You said January 1st? Yes. Under being before? Yeah. I'll say under. Okay. So you think December 22nd they do it? I don't know about December 22nd. I think... I think it'll probably be around Christmas. Yeah. I Christmas mean, Day would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But that'd be cool. It's tough because that is such a quick turnaround for all these, these, especially the Miami Heat and the Lakers who went all the way to the finals. Yeah. The team, I mean, because what's a typical offseason? If you win the title, you usually win, I don't know, like June 20th. But do you factor in the whole time that the league was shut down as off time I think you should yeah right because even even a team like the Lakers they won the title so they they just finished playing I don't know mid-October but from mid-March to mid to mid-July let's say they weren't playing at all so I know you gotta do what you gotta do I guess I I hope they I hope they get going I'm all in on the NBA this year if they uh if they can start on December 22nd maybe that'll push them over the top just knowing I'd be all in all right, so I saw this. Uh, I saw this story on ESPN, and it made me do a double take. Apparently, Mitch Trubisky played a snap against the Saints this past week. Didn't even know that. I I must have missed that when I was watching Red Zone. Yeah, but they, they don't show that for a reason. But in the one snap, apparently he got hurt. Ugh. In that one snap, he hurt his shoulder. But I'll ask you this then: Will uh, Mitchell Trubisky will start over? Or under ten and a half more games for any NFL team in his career. Ten and a half for any NFL team. I'll take the over. I don't know that that'll be for the Bears. Although, have you heard this? When when you start to talk about it, comes up a lot with Dallas because the Cowboys. It's like, yeah, they're horrible, but if they had a quarterback, they could still win that division. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, oh, okay, if you want Jameis, that's at least a third round pick and some. It sounds like the Bears are asking, if you want Trubisky, who we know isn't good and we know we overpaid for, it's at least the second rounder plus something to get him. But they can't do it now because the trade deadline has yeah. passed. Yeah. That uh, would have been kind of interesting if Trubisky got traded to Dallas. Yeah. He, as much as I think he's not Talk very about good, pressure. He's, he's better than uh, Ben DiNucci. Garrett what is it? Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert yeah. and Cooper Rush? I would assume he's better than Cooper Rush, but in fairness to Cooper Rush, I haven't seen him play in the NFL yet. Uh, okay. So I'll, I'll take the over on 10 and a half okay. games. Might not be with the Bears. Over under five more wins for the Cardinals this season. Now, that would include potentially playoffs. 
So five and two right now, nine more regular season games, and then any playoff games they play in. I'll take the over. I will take the over on that. Do you think they win a playoff game, or you just think they hit 11 wins in the regular season? I kind of think they're an 11-win team. Yeah, I could see that. Especially with San Francisco just can't can't get out of their own way right now. Yeah. With injuries and COVID and all this stuff. And the Rams seem to be beatable if you know how to game plan them correctly. At least uh, split with them, right? And then, yeah, I think they beat the Dolphins this weekend, too. You've got the Giants. And then they play the Giants and the Eagles, yeah. I think those are two wins. Patriots, so, yeah. Two, the Patriots, I mean. yeah. I don't know what to make. Uh, I could totally see the Patriots come coming into play the Cardinals, and they all of a sudden know exactly what they're doing, oh, yeah. and they look great. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. But, but I'll, I'll be an optimist for a change and go over. <laughs> I don't know what to do now. I think to, for them to get eleven wins, they got to win this weekend. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about the Cowboys. Looks like we're going to get another starting quarterback this weekend. Uh, it's either going to be Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert because Ben Zanucci stunk it up against the uh, Eagles on Sunday Night Football. So I think this will be this will be their fourth quarterback. Yeah. So over under <laughs> the Cowboys will use over under four and a half different starting quarterbacks for the rest of the season. Well, you mean like total? Yes. Right? Over. So you're saying the whole season when we look back, they will have started four and a half or more. Like you're counting Dak and, and Andy Dalton. I, yeah, yes, yes. I am. Uh, yeah, I'll take the over, honestly. Um, I mean, I guess it depends when Dalton potentially comes back, but he's dealing with concussion and COVID. Did you see the Texans sign Josh McCown yeah. to their active roster today? Over under Josh McCown is 78 years old. <laughs> how many, without looking, how many teams do you think Josh McCown has played for? Oh, I'd say it. It's got to be at least, at least 15. 15. Oh, okay. I would say at least. Uh, I don't know if at least 15. Well, it's sort of tough because. I'll say 14 teams. Because he's been on some teams that he didn't actually get into games for, I would think. He's also been on teams for a while and not really done anything. So here's what I have so far Cardinals, Lions, Raiders, Panthers, Bears. Buccaneers, Browns, Jets, Eagles. This would be number 10. The Texans would be number 10. Okay. Good guess. Wow. Wow. Um, But he's one of those guys that every team he's on, they rave about, like, it's great to have this guy in the locker room. Um, Probably the Texans are just a mess, though. I almost feel bad for him that he has to go there. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Since there's a little bit of NBA talk today, in the next two seasons... Over under half a playoff series win for the Suns. So essentially, are they going to make and make the playoffs and win a series at some point, either this upcoming season or next season? I think I found my calling. I'll in life. have to go under on that one. I think that I think they'll make the playoffs, but in the next two years. But I don't think they'll they'll win the series. In the first round. Yeah, because you figure... I guess it depends on where they're seated, but yeah, the West is so tough. The West is tough. I mean, we'll get into this more. The draft is supposed to happen here in, I think, two weeks from tonight. Um, you look at the Suns, and you're like, okay, you feel good about them and everything. You look at the Western Conference, and you're like, okay, which teams got worse? Um, none. So, yeah, I think if they make the playoffs, you probably think they're an 8 or a 7 at best this year if they get in. 
that's a tough first round matchup. So I'm with you on that. I see. I, do you agree? I think that this is my this is my calling. It's the set <laughs> over underlines for Vegas. Yeah. All right. Um, Marcus Golden is back with the Cardinals, and we've heard him talk about how happy he is to be back in Arizona. Like he's really, really happy. Yes. To the point where he said, "No amount of money that he could have made beats coming back to the Cardinals this year." <laughs> so it got me thinking. And I'll ask you this question. I believe he's a free agent at the end of this year, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's he, well. He's on a one-year deal right okay. now. Okay, so yeah, so yes, he would be. I ask you, Marcus Golden plays over under one and a half more seasons with the Cardinals, so they would have to bring him back after this year. Um, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take the over. Think he's I, coming back after yeah, this year? I, I do because I don't think he's going to cost a ton. They are still in that position where, okay, look, either he's bad in these next, whatever, nine games, and then he's not going to cost anything. So they might still bring him back just in the, I mean, not if he's terrible, but just, he's not going to be terrible. But just in the sense of if he's if he doesn't put up crazy numbers, you're not going to have to pay him that much. Even I, when Chandler Jones is back, they're going to need him. I have a feeling he's not going to be bad. What, I think there's this crazy burning flame yeah. within him now. <laughs> it's just hearing him talk. Like it's just like hearing him talk. It's I don't see how he's going to go out there and stink. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think if and this is the sort of stuff. And Kime's not great in the draft, but this is the sort of stuff he is good at. The the, the mid season trade, Kenyon Drake last year. Finding guys that still have a lot left as pass rushers. I mean, Golden's only 29. He should have a lot left. But remember when he pulled Dwight Freeney out of nowhere and Freeney came in? Yeah, and, and yeah. Was, I, I, I'm kind of with you. What? So he's got nine games potentially as a Cardinal. How many sacks do you think he gets in nine games? Like, you think he can go over four and a half? Yeah. I think he can, yeah, too. Yeah, I think so. And I think if he does that, again, you you know, Patrick Peterson likely coming off the books. Uh, you're still paying Kyler on his rookie deal next year. You need pass rushers. He wants to be here. I think he would take a little bit less to be here. Yeah, I'll take the over. I'm, we're on the same page. We're all in on Marcus Golden. This is I love Marcus Golden. This is, uh, hopefully this is fun. Hopefully we're not, we're not let down. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll hear a little bit from Mark Schlereth next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, I want to play you a, a little bit of the interview that Bickley and Murata had this afternoon with Mark Schlereth. And as I will say uh, most times when I do this, uh, you can always hear all the interviews that we've had on Arizona Sports throughout the day on ArizonaSports.com in the podcast section. You can find our show uh, in the podcast section pretty quickly after uh, after we get off the air. Cody turns it around very quickly. And also we had Lorenzo Alexander on tonight, so you if you missed that, you, you want to go back and check that one out. He gave us some good insight on how the Cardinals could potentially uh, defend Tua this weekend. But this is Mark Schlereth on with Bickley and Murata earlier today. It's not the full interview, but it's a pretty good chunk of it right now. 
Mark, when you take a look at uh, a couple couple things here going forward, um, I, what do you think of the Miami Dolphins right now? They're the next opponent up for the Cardinals, and the Cardinals have been really good against division opponents. They brought the fire and the focus against them, not so much against other teams, and I'm worried about this Dolphins team a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, interestingly enough, um, and I get, you know, it's, it's funny to me because I, I, I did a Dolphins game earlier. They blew out the 49ers. Uh, you know, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of those interesting cats because that dude, if he gets hot, he's ridiculous good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the ability to be keep at, at both at both ends of the court. I mean, both guys, he has the ability to keep both people in the game or both teams in a game. You know, he, he can get streaky and, and absolutely whip you, and then, you know, there's never been a team meeting that he didn't think he could throw it into. So he's, he's just one of those unique characters that plays the game, and he's kind of, you know, he just kind of, throws caution to the wind a lot. So, but I like the way he plays. I like the way he goes about his business. He's a he's an excellent football player. There's no question about it. So, um, he's one of those guys that just intrigues me. I think they're a better football team now. And, and I get people telling me all the time, hey, well, he's 16 years, he's never led a team to the playoffs. So, why would you think he's the best choice now? Well, you know, what has Tua been in the league for, 16 minutes? I mean, yeah. I, just, uh-huh. you know, I, I mean, it's just it's, it's ridiculous. And you look what they did offensively. They were horrible offensively. I mean, absolutely horrible. But I will tell you this, that um, when I look at them just as a, just as a team, uh, I just, like, defensively, defensively, they're a really good football team. I mean, really good football team. And I, I will tell you this, uh, the one thing that Brian Flores has out of them, and, and it makes it really tough, is their ability, like, the duality of their defense. Um and what I mean by that is, and it goes back to the New England stuff, is when you have guys that can play multiple positions, um, and it's really hard as an offense to designate what they're in. Are they in a 3-4 front? Are they in a four-man front? Are they playing a 5-2 type of front? Like, what are they in? Because what you want as an offense or an offensive lineman, you want a rule. Like, give me the rule. What are they in, and how do I, uh, how do I effectively you know, block this. Like, we've all got to be on the same page. So that's one of the things that makes them really hard to define is, and really hard to play against is they can line up in so many different things. Um, they're, they can create confusion, and, and anytime you create confusion, you can create big plays on the defensive side of the ball, and they've been able to do that on a consistent basis. Mark Slareth, our weekly NFL guest, uh, NFL on Fox, 104.3 The Fan in Denver. He joins us every Wednesday. I know you, got, uh, you had Seattle and, and San Francisco last week, and we'll get into the Seahawks a bit, but I just got to ask you, in all of your years of playing, covering the NFL, have you ever seen anything like what's going on with the San Francisco 49ers from an injury standpoint? It's, it's almost cruel at this point. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's ugly. I mean, you know, here's the thing that, that I love about football, though. There's no excuse. Yeah. I mean, it's it is. You, you got to go out there and you got to play. You know. And I mean, I'm the most hated person in the Bay Area because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I just hold them accountable. And and bottom line is, you know, that's that's the way it is. It's hey, it's unfortunate. I get it. Um, it's upsetting if you're you know if you're one of those teams, but uh, or if you're the San Francisco 49ers or you're a fan base, but. Um, Quit your crying, you know. I mean, nobody really cares. So uh, everybody's hurt right now. Nobody's hurt more than the Niners. But again, it, it's it's one of those things uh, that it's not an excuse. You, you still got to go out and you got to play well, um, you know. And I've always adhered to the philosophy, and this goes back to my playing days. Is I've always adhered to the philosophy philosophy of um, not only do you have to play hurt, 
you've got to play well, and you got to play injured when you're. You got to play well when you're hurt and you're injured. And if you can't do that, then there, you don't have a spot in the league. So that's just kind of a belief system that I've always played with. So I don't worry about you know. Well, they're really hurt, and I'm just not making excuses. Yeah. Romeo doesn't seem to dig that take as much as he did the other one, Mark. How did uh, how'd you come up with the name Romeo for a dog, by the way? Named after, are you a Shakespeare oh, well, fan, Romeo Crennel fan? Uh, no, it's none of the above. It's like my, my kids... My kids will get a dog. This is actually my daughter-in-law's dog. So they will get a dog, and then they will realize, like, you know when your kids think they've grown up uh-huh. and they go out and get the, get themselves a pet, and then they realize that having pets is actual work? You know what I'm saying? And yes. it actually costs money. Um yeah, and and so then the pets get dropped so off true. at my house. Yeah, so and true. And because we are, you know, my wife and I are absolute bleeding hearts, uh, they become our pets. So uh-huh. Romeo was my daughter-in-law's dog when she was in college that she really, truly couldn't take care of. And then, you know, her and my son ended up getting married, and then Romeo became our dog. Of course. <laughs> All right, that's. right, I'm glad I asked yeah. that, by the way. All right, last thing for me. Yeah. Everything you know, you you just saw Seattle and Russell Wilson kind of reestablish himself as the front runner in the MVP. We watched Tampa against the Giants, and they were kind of a little wonky. When you look at the NFC in its entirety, are the Cardinals in play for the big prize in that conference, in your opinion? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, first off, Kyler Murray just plays above the X's and O's. So even when you do something perfectly, you know, I mean, look at that last two-minute drive. I mean, he can scramble for 45 yards and put you in a, in a position to win a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Like, he's just that He's just that guy. I think defensively, they make enough plays. They create enough mismatches. Uh, I think Vance Joseph did a great job in that game against Seattle of creating some confusion, creating some turnovers. So, I mean, all those things to me are, are really good. And, you know, I just think they're a lot – you know, I, I look at that, that system and what they're in and the way they operate it. And, you know, Kyler Murray, even you know, in the, even in that game in Dallas when they blew out Dallas, that was the worst I'd ever seen him play. Um, the, guy is, the guy is outstanding. Like his, his just talent level, his ability to throw the ball um, is, is just one of the next level guys. So as long as you have that dude playing above the X's and O's on a consistent basis, you're going to be in every game. And then it just depends on how well you play, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and, um, but he just, he is just an X factor. That's really hard to contend with. Mark Slayer with there on with Bickley and Murata, uh, this afternoon. And it is, you know, you, you hear the national people, talking about the Cardinals now, and Schleyer has been on, and he's on with Bickley Murata a lot over the last few years. It's just, it's such a different tone. And, and look, I get some of it is the fact that they're 5-2, and two, and they just beat the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football in their last game. But they're also just an exciting team now. They were not, they were not the sort of exciting team that football fans around the country would flip to on a random Sunday. You know, this is the, the, the measure I always kind of have in the back of my head is you're a Steelers fan and the Steelers aren't playing that week or, you know, they played the morning game and you're flipping around the afternoon games or whatever. People weren't landing on the Cardinals. They just, they would avoid that game. Packers fans, right? I mean, if, okay, the Packers are playing Monday Night Football. Am I going to watch Josh Rosen and the Cardinals take on the Lions? No, probably not. 
But now you got Kyler Murray. Now you got an exciting offense. And, and, and the DeAndre Hopkins trade really helps too. Because I don't think the Cardinals were necessarily prominent on anybody's radar even last season. It was kind of like, oh, okay, they got the number one overall pick. And they went with Kyler. And Kyler seems to be good. But we're all paying attention to playoff teams. They get that DeAndre Hopkins trade in the offseason. And then they start the way they've started. And all of a sudden... People got to take notice. You got to earn that respect around the NFL. And that win over Seattle earned them a ton of respect and attention. Now they got to follow that up. You don't want to go out there and fall flat against Miami. This is Kyler Murray talking about, if you remember this, Steve Kimes' comments a couple weeks ago about how the star players need to start playing like star players. Uh, I don't I don't really have a comment. I don't, uh, you know, this is a, it's the NFL. Uh, it's not easy to win. Um, Obviously, everybody in the locker room, you know, the pass is the pass. Uh, you know, we felt like we let those two games go uh, slip away. Could be undefeated, but, you know, should have, could have, would have. Uh, we are who we are. We are where we are in this moment, um, you know, in a good position. Um, so we just got to keep going, keep working hard, keep practicing hard, get better each and every day, and um, put our best foot forward on Sunday. What I like about this Cardinals team, and there's a lot of things, but what I like about this team, and, and I do think a good portion of this mentality comes from Kyler Murray. I'm sure a lot comes from Fitz, and I'm sure a lot comes from Kingsbury too, but those two losses against the Lions and the Panthers stung, and Kyler's still talking about it three weeks later. And not in the sense of like, well, we lost those two games, so the season's over. It was the, we feel like we should have won those two games, and we're going to use that as fuel to be better going forward. And they were against the Jets. It's just hard to measure anything against the Jets because they're the Jets aren't even really a football team anymore. They're just kind of a state of mind. And the Cowboys are a mess. But to keep that going and not be satisfied, okay, we're 4-2, and two, we're short week, we're playing the Seahawks off a bye week, okay, we may fall flat this week. We're down by 10 early. We're down 20-7. to seven. Maybe this isn't our week. DK Metcalf just caught Buddha. Okay, well, you know, we'll just get him next. No. They come back and they win that game. They're 5-2. and two. They could be feeling great about themselves. They've had two weeks to hear about how good they are. And Kyler's still talking about the two games against Detroit and Carolina that bother him that they lost. That's why I think he's still going to go out there and be dialed in. And not, you know, he's, that's why in my mind he's not having a sophomore slump. Because he's got that mentality of, yeah, I should be winning every week. That's why I feel good about this team. It's not that they're going to go out there and, and definitely beat Miami and then follow that up with a win over Buffalo and they're going to beat Seattle. It's, they're going to lose games. But I just feel like they're going to be in pretty much every game. And Buda Baker is a guy that certainly brings that energy on, on the defensive side of the ball as well. So I'm looking forward to this game. I, I really, really am. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up the show here tonight. A little fantasy football. We're going to give you the best matchups of the weekend that's coming up. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I would say that sound means it's time for money matchups, but you wouldn't know that because we haven't done money matchups before. But... That sound means it's time for money matchups here on the rundown. So this is how this is going to work. We want to have the uh, fantasy football component out there for all the fantasy football players. And honestly, even if you don't play, it's still uh, it, it still gives you a different perspective on the league. So we're going to go 
And Bear and I are each going to go one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, tight end, and defense that has just an amazing matchup this weekend. And we tried, for the most part, to avoid like the truly, truly elite. You're starting this guy no matter what players because it's not going to help you if we say, hey, you should start Patrick Mahomes this week because he's good. Um, so we at least tried to give you... No, maybe guys that you're debating, not probably not picking up, at least not on my list. I haven't seen your list, Bear. These are all guys that are probably on your team, but maybe you're debating, like, should I play this guy or should I play somebody else? These guys have ridiculously good matchups. So I will let you start. Well, in terms of an entertaining matchup, I have, for my quarterback, I have a couple. Okay. An entertaining matchup should be Lamar Jackson versus the Colts defense. Yeah, that's true. Um might not want to start Lamar. I'm going to. He's on my team. You've been wrestling with that all I know. He's just been so disappointing. Um, But (laughs) forgive me, I have two Steelers-Cowboys matchups on here. First, Ben Roethlisberger versus the Cowboys defense. (laughs) I mean, Roethlisberger hasn't been great this season. He's been okay. Yeah. Um, He's not throwing for a lot of yards, but... uh, the Cowboys defense is so bad. It's so bad. And the Steelers have a lot of a lot of weapons that I don't think the Cowboys can contend with. The only issue I take with you saying the Cowboys defense has been so bad is that implies the Cowboys have a defense that could be bad because <laughs> it is completely non-existent and it is They awful. don't even field a defense. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Basically, they, they are They shouldn't. They are they like the same thing. I played in a fantasy league a couple years ago that a buddy of mine was running where we just didn't even have defenses. It was just quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. He got rid of kickers and defenses. And I feel like the Cowboys <laughs> are doing that in real life. Uh, okay. My quarterback matchup, I'm going to go Deshaun Watson uh, in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. The Texans essentially have nothing to play for, but there's a couple reasons I like this matchup. One, Deshaun Watson's obviously very good, but like he is a guy you maybe aren't starting every week. Like There's a league where I have him and Aaron Rodgers. I'm starting Watson this week. Um, Jacksonville gives up the fourth most points to fantasy quarterbacks this season. And there was all this talk that the the Texans were going to trade away Will Fuller or some of their other weapons. They didn't. They still have all those guys. They still have Fuller and Brandon Cooks is, you know, it pains me to say this, Bear, but Brandon Cooks and Deshaun Watson seem to have a connection. So I'm going to go Deshaun against... A connection of throwing the ball and him catching it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with Deshaun against that awful Jacksonville defense. By the way, what is Jacksonville's record? Remember there was talk oh, I don't know. before the season that they might be like an 0-16 candidate, and then they went out and they won their first game against the Colts, and everybody's like, you you underestimated the mighty yeah. Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they've lost six in a row since then. All right, my money matchup at running back, I'm going back to the Steelers and the Cowboys. James Conner against the Cowboys defense. You 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 need to start James Conner this week. <laughs> start all the Steelers. He was another one. Um, remember, we were. I think you were there. We were watching Conner Week One because didn't they play Monday Night Football Week One? Yes, I think they did. Yeah, and he like he was so ineffective that it looked like he yeah, got he was benched. bad. Yeah, and then he got also, but he was he hurt. was hurt like he sprained his ankle or something. Yeah, and all the fantasy experts were like you got to pick up Benny Snell right now right. For or next season. or trade James Conner away yeah. if you can get. I I actually did trade James Conner away, but I had a plethora of running backs and I needed a tight end. I traded him for George Kittle, who is now probably out for the season. He's, so yay. <laughs> Goody for you. But I think in total points, he's he's got to be right up there among the top running backs. He's um, I think he's at least in the top 15. 
Yeah, it looks like he is tied with Josh Jacobs for 11th. Okay. But, I mean, not that far behind, like, Mike Davis, Clyde edwards Alaire, guys yeah. that are trending down. Aaron Jones is hurt. Um, I would obviously take James Conner over Todd Gurley. Okay, uh, my running back is this is your guy. I feel like I should let you talk. Okay. Same game that I had for quarterback, James Robinson against oh, Houston. Oh, yeah. You love James love Robinson. Love James Robinson. Didn't even know. I picked him up off waivers this year. We were talking great. in the newsroom. Uh, he is averaging 19 fantasy points a game. That's fourth among all running backs behind only Kamara, Henry, and, and Dalvin Cook. When they do those charts at the end of the year, like ESPN.com does this a lot, what percentage of teams that won the championship had this guy or that guy? I think James Robinson is going to be on a lot of championship winning teams because yeah. of what you just said. You didn't even have to draft him, probably. This week might be a little different for him because Gardner Minshew's not playing. Yeah. So I'm sure the Texans defense will be focused on James Robinson. I don't even... Is it Judon is their starter in Jacksonville? I don't even know. Uh, it was supposed to be Jake Luton. But Luton. Like That's what it is. There. Luton. Um, the former Oregon State beat. Not Judon. That's another football player of some uh, kind. But some of these guys, I mean, if you look, Houston gives up the second most fantasy points to running backs. They're the team yeah. that gave up 45 to Derrick Henry a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. 22 to Jamal Williams just uh, last their last game. So, yeah, I'll take my chances with James Robinson. My money matchup at wide receiver, you should probably be starting this guy no matter what. It, but it's Stefan Diggs versus the Seahawks defense. Uh, the Seahawks defense are allowing the most points to fantasy wide receivers in fantasy football this year. They're ranked 32nd in fantasy football defenses. Yeah. That's... so And Stefan Diggs is the clear number one in Buffalo. And John Brown is the number two, but he's been banged up and also not playing well. So... I would look for Stefan Diggs to have a pretty decent game yeah, if against the, Seattle. If the if Buffalo's going to get their offense going, this, yeah. is, this is the week to do it. I'm going to go with uh, Chase Claypool. You could take any Steelers receiver against Dallas, but Claypool has seven touchdowns this season. I understand four of them uh, came in one game. But the Cowboys' defense is horrible. They're, mm-hmm. They give up the seventh most fantasy points to receivers. So just be aware, they're more horrible all the way around. It's not like they give up all of the points to receivers. But they've allowed 14 receiving touchdowns just to wide receivers this season, which is the second highest total in the league. Yeah, you could go with Deontay Johnson. You could go with Juju Smith-Schuster, although he's been kind of inconsistent. But it doesn't it sort of seem like Chase Claypool's becoming the number one receiver there? Yeah, it's, it does seem that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Juju's not having a great year, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, all right. My next money matchup's at tight end. Um, this might be a little risky given the quarterback situation and just the poor play of the team overall, but I'm going with uh, Broncos tight end oh. Noah Fant against the Falcons. We have the same yes. guy. <laughs> the Falcons are allowing the most points to tight ends in fantasy football this year, and it's not the Cardinals. It's not the Cardinals. That was so refreshing when I read that. I'm like, wait a minute. Someone else is allowing tight ends to score more? Do you you remember that last year where it was just start any tight end, pick up any tight end against the Cardinals? I'm pretty sure I I picked up Will Disley. And it worked. And it worked. He had like two touchdowns. I remember I was at that game and I had to get an interview with Will Disley after the game. You had to get an interview with Will with Disley? Will Disley. And, and he basically said what we just said. He was like, it worked. <laughs> he was just like, hey, everything's... The Cardinals this season, uh, what are they, 14th fewest fantasy points to the tight end position. So that's a nice turnaround. Credit to Vance Joseph and some of the pieces they brought in. Yeah, I have Fant too. Um, he's, you know, he's been solid for the Broncos. You run a risk when... Drew Locke, not that he's a bad quarterback, but 
you like to have players on teams that are just chucking the ball down the field and scoring a ton of points, but Fant's got a great matchup this week. Uh, that's my answer, too. All right, what do you got on defense? Um, for defense, I have the Washington football team defense against the Giants offense. The Giants are terrible. Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. They really don't have any weapons <laughs> on yeah. on the Giants. Besides, uh, Slayton is a good wide receiver. Sterling Shepard's still talented, but that's about it. And Daniel Jones hasn't really shown that he can even be remotely good this season. So I would I if you can, I, I think they're pretty available. The Washington football team yeah. defense you might want to pick up this week. I just picked them up in the league actually earlier today to start just this week. They've uh they just saw the Giants a couple weeks ago. They're coming off a bye week. Uh my answer you could actually you could go with New England facing the Jets. That defense is kind of beat up though. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the slam dunk here. The Steelers defense just because they're either we facing... We seem to think the Cowboys are bad. <laughs> Cooper Rush or uh, Garrett Gilbert, and it's not just that. The Steelers' defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL right now. They keep losing guys, but it doesn't seem to matter. So, yeah, that uh, seems like a pretty safe one. And defenses, even if one guy gets hurt, you still have the, the rest of the defense. All right, it's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks to Lorenzo Alexander for joining us as well. It's the Rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.